Why don't you go ahead and open up your Bibles to James chapter 1. Uh, we uh, have some familiar verses there. Um, just hold your, you know, don't, don't go anywhere, but, but uh, give me a minute. James 3.2 says this, we all sin or stumble or make mistakes or fall short or mess up or fail or miss the mark in many ways. I think we can be pretty clear on that. I, I, I met a guy one time who said he never sins. <laughs> you know, you're sinning right now, pal. You are lying. <laughs> but he, uh, <clears throat> and he, he, he was of some belief that once you became a Christian, that no matter what you did, it wasn't sin. Anyway, we're not going to go into that obviously insane thought. But James, we all sin in many ways. But you know what? In 1 John 1, I'm just going to read a couple things to you because I need to lay a bit of a foundation here, so track with me, all right? It says, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, him and us, and each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Now, think about that. If, if, if sin is missing the mark, he cleanses us from all of our failures, meaning he doesn't keep a record. He doesn't criticize us. He's not finding fault when we're not on target, praise the Lord. Uh, not on target with our conduct, with our faith, with our mouth, all right? And, and he, he doesn't find fault. He's constantly just trying to help us. And, and I can tell you tonight, the way the Lord's been talking to me over the last two days, he really wants to help somebody tonight. Maybe it's just me, but he really wants to help. That's what he does, okay? You know, we're people of faith. We believe God. We exercise our faith. We practice our faith. We like to say we're faith people. But too often, when things go wrong, we want to blame God. Now, we may not say that. We may not even let ourselves really think it. But in our hearts, we're quick to think that God let us down, or maybe he's mad, or maybe he didn't give that to me because he doesn't think I need that, or maybe that would hurt me, so he doesn't want me to have it. And then we're like, you know, why didn't you come through, God? Or why did you help? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Why did you help him and not me? Why did you help her? Why did you answer her prayer when she's given a testimony? Why didn't you do that for me? Now, do you just sit there and no one will know that you've ever, you know, hopefully you've never done that. <clears throat> well, I tried that faith thing and it just doesn't work. Oh, it'll work if you work it. All right, but you know what? Maybe we all need to get to know God better and learn how to walk with him better. You know, I say it all the time. I say it, I'll say it again. When things don't work, it's never God's fault. You understand that? You know, he's given us his word, his son, his spirit, his strength, his promises. He's given us peace. He's given us life. And all he wants to do all the time is help us and work with us and help us move forward. That's what he wants to do. That's why he gave us his word. You know, the Bible, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm still laying a foundation here, okay? The Bible gives us some hints, some things that are hindrances that cause us to not be able to receive from God. You understand none of those are his fault. You understand that? I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not making, I'm not pointing at you, I'm just saying. We, we, in our hearts, sometimes we don't understand why God didn't do something. Well, uh, it's not going to be his fault at the end of the day, I can promise you. When we get up there, I'm not saying he's cold, he's just he, he gave us the tools we needed. You know, I, I went to, I, I was doing something in my house the other day and, and went to grab my tool and I was like, 
yeah, I took that up to church. <laughs> so I got to drive up to church, you know, but, but you know what? He's given us the tools we need, but sometimes we don't know what they are, and sometimes we just don't know how to use them, and sometimes we forget to apply them. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been sick, and you didn't even remember to pray? And, you, and then you, all of a sudden, you're like, wow, I never even asked God about this. Okay, so time to back up and start there, all right? Anyway, you and James 1? Okay, good. Hindrances to faith. We're going to cover just a few of these really as quick as I can because I need to get to something else. So doubt, number one, hindrance to faith. Doesn't mean it's the most important one, believe it or not, but it is the first one I'm going to talk about. James 1, verse 5 says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, you notice in that passage, if you back up to verse 5 again, he starts out talking about wisdom. Do you see that? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. But then he winds up talking about anything. So let's keep going. Keep reading here. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Keep going. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man not, ought not to expect that he will receive anything from God because he's doubting, all right? Now, doubt is not the number one problem. You know what? We're believers. You're here because you believe. Does that mean you never have a doubt cross your mind? No, of course it doesn't mean that. But, but we'll, we'll address that more in a minute. But, but you know, it, it, just, because, <laughs> just because you have doubt in your head doesn't mean you don't have faith in your heart, okay? I can tell you this, that, that, that the greatest things that I've ever believed God for my head was giving me all sorts of trouble. But right here, I was solid. I knew. I knew he could do it. I knew he wanted to do it. And I believed he was going to do it. And he did do it. But that doesn't mean I didn't have trouble with my head. Okay? If you're alive, you're going to have trouble with your head. Somebody said to uh, Brother Hagin one time, can you pray that I won't have any more trouble with the devil? And he said, do you want me to pray that you'll die? They were like, no. He goes, well, then I can't pray that prayer. Because as long as we're on this earth... The devil's going to be giving you trouble. Now, do you, do you grow up? Do you learn not to listen to him more and more? Absolutely. All right? But, <clears throat> but just because you have some doubt in your head doesn't mean you don't believe in your heart. All right, second thing. Hindrances to receiving from God. You guys ready? Number two. You can turn to 1 Peter 3, 7 if you want to actually see this, because I have a couple people in here who are going to go, what? That can't be true. Dishonoring your spouse can keep you from receiving from God. You hearing me? All right, you hearing me? All right, good. Um, this verse is specifically directed at husbands, you know, talking about a lack of love or a lack of self-restraint, but the same thing could be said about wives in other relationships with family, friends, bosses, coworkers, ex-friends, ex-bosses, you know, we could keep going. 1 Peter 3, 7 in the Amplified says this, in the same way, you husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, with great gentleness and tact, hallelujah, and with an intelligent regard for the marriage relationship as someone physically weaker since she is a woman. Show her honor and respect as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered or ineffective. 
You see that? If you're all mean-spirited and grumpy all the time, I don't know why you'd think God's going to do anything for you. You better straighten up. Anyway. All right, number three. Hey, and, and you know what? Sometimes it's hard not to be grumpy and mean-spirited, all right? I'm sure my wife gets challenged with me once in a while. Rarely, though, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but you know what? We can do it. If God told us we could do it, if he told us not to do something, not to be mean-spirited and not to show no self-control, then it's possible to do. So, so we just need to, man, we need to straighten up, all right? All right. Number three, selfishness. James chapter four. Verse three says this. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Wow. Okay. Is that clear enough? I don't have to explain that one, do I? All right. You know, Brother Hagen, I heard him say, I don't mean to quote him all the time, but I'll probably quote him eight times tonight. I heard him say one time, he goes, well, if you need a car, tell the Lord you need a car and tell him you need it to do ministry. All right? So there. <laughs> he knows. You do need it to get to church, right? And you need it to do ministry. So, you know, don't be selfish for crying out loud. Think about how you can bless the Lord and bless the body of Christ with whatever it is you want. All right? All right. Number four, any hindrance causing you to be weary and lose heart. Wow. Don't, don't let things that cause you to lose heart hang on, guys. You know what? If you've got a friend, I'm, I'm not trying to be unkind here. If you've got somebody in your life who just brings you down all the time, you've got to work with them so that, that's got to end, all right? No more bringing me down. Isn't there a song? Don't bring me down. Yeah, I'm not going to sing for you. All right. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. We know this, but we're trying to get to the end of it. Verse, verse 3. But anyway, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him, listen, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know what? It says consider him so that won't happen. If you keep your eyes on him, you're not going to get weary and you're not going to lose heart. Okay? Is it easy to do that? Absolutely. If you start watching the news too much or you start listening to negative people too much or you start you know, watching trash on TV that's, you know, making you think the world's gone to hell in a handbasket, then, uh, then it's time to let go of some of that stuff and, and cut that stuff out of your life. Has the Lord ever had you get rid of something? He has me. Stop watching that. Stop reading that. Stop doing that. Stop hanging out with them. All right? Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I don't want to grow weary and lose heart. I'm going to keep my eye on him. All right? Okay, so... The last one I'm going to identify, is this six, five, five, unforgiveness, and we're going to spend the rest of the night on that, okay? Mark 11, we know that by heart, I hope. If you don't, you haven't been around here very long. Mark 11, starting with verse 22, and Jesus answered to them saying, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart 
but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your transgressions. Ouch. You know, I, I, I want you to note in this passage, possibly Jesus' most significant teaching on faith. Now, we could argue about that. But possibly his most significant teaching on faith, he didn't just stop with teaching on faith. He went on to talk about a hindrance. Why would that? The only hindrance he mentioned, which would mean it was the most important one, which would mean it's the most common one, which means it's the one that's stopping people from receiving the most. See, he's trying to help us here. But, you know, if you don't receive when you pray, you better stop and ask him why you didn't receive. Because 1 John chapter 5 says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we will receive. It says that. I brought a trash can. I don't usually bring trash cans into church. But I brought a trash can into church because I need to show you something. I'm hoping that'll stay there long enough for me to walk back over here for a half a second. You know, um, I'm, that hose is going to, the water is going to start coming out of that in a minute. And, and go ahead. And, and the water represents the, the, the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the mercy of God. And you know what? That flows and flows and flows. Aren't you glad? If we confess our sins, what? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? All of our failures, all of our mistakes, all of other people's failures and all of their mistakes, he'll do it. But if we go back to what Mark 11 said, it says, if I forgive, when I stand praying, forgive, if I have anything against anyone, but if I do not forgive, neither will my Father in heaven forgive me. Now, who cut off the grace and the forgiveness? I did. It says, if you won't forgive, if I won't forgive, neither will my father. I cut it off. Notice, it ain't happening anymore. Now, I don't want to do that. How about you? Anybody here want to cut off the grace and forgiveness and the blessing and the, and the kindness and mercy of our God? No, you don't want to do that. No, 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 no. I'm going to forgive, and, and I want it to keep flowing. See these guys? See, I got these, these trained professionals who are helping me, and, um, and we don't want any water, because no water has ever been spilled on this floor. That was for you, Pastor, if you're watching, all right? <laughs> Romans chapter 8. Uh, go ahead and turn there. Uh, I love this. This is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. You know, some of those passages that you just, when you need a, 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 an encouragement from the Lord, you go to, to a certain book. Well, Ephesians 1, Romans 8, there's some other ones, but I love Romans 8. 
Romans 8, 31 says this. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, is he? If God is for us, who is against us? We're going to answer that in a second. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? You know, Jesus bore the, the, he bore the pain of everyone who's ever been wronged on the cross. He bore the guilt of everyone who's perpetrated wrong on the cross. And we've all done both. Haven't we? It says, if God's for us, who can be against us? Well, the answer is three things. There's an always, a sometimes, and a never. Always the devil's against us. God's for us, but the devil is always against us. Two, sometimes me. Sometimes I'm against me, and I create my own mess, and often with my words. Hopefully you don't do that. The never is God. God is never against us, okay? So the devil's always against us. Sometimes I'm with me. Sometimes I'm not so good. But God is always for me, all right? And he's always for you, 100% of the time. We're going to take a few minutes and just look at some examples of forgiveness or lack thereof in the Bible, okay? So turn over with me to Philippians 4 and uh, verse 1. You ever look at somebody and think, I would not want to be that person. You know, they went through something or something happened to them. And you think, hmm, glad that's not me. Well, I'm glad I'm not one of these two ladies. And we're Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see my joy and my crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge, I don't know how to say it, Euodia, and I urge, mm-hmm, <laughs> Sintiki, E-N-S. I urge E-N-S to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask that you also help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. So here we have two active church members serving the Lord, serving Paul, who don't see eye to eye. I would be so embarrassed if my name wound up in the word of God as someone who could not get along with someone else. <clears throat> but there, there are always people we don't get along with. There's people that we clash with their personality. Can I just tell you, it's because you don't know them well enough yet. You know, if you knew them 100%, you wouldn't clash with them, all right? If you knew why they did what they did or acted like they act or said what they said, you wouldn't dislike them, but you think you dislike them. And, 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 and so here you are. You know, Paul asked the church to help him. Hello? Did you see that? He asked the church to help him. Okay, guys, if we see somebody having trouble, let's help them out, all right? Walking in love is a family matter, amen? You know, interpersonal conflicts happen. You know, well, what if we just let it go? Well, they're not going to treat me like that. Okay. Well, I'm not going to let them have the last word. Okay. I won't be anybody's doormat. Okay. What about that one who said, in the worst possible of circumstances, far worse than anything you or I have ever experienced or even imagined, what about that one who said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. You, you tell me you can't forgive them, guess what? You're just not willing to. You've cut off the flow, not them, not God, you did it. 
I did it. And you know what? As quick as we can, we just need to let go of those things and move on. All right? You know what? I don't have to like you. I don't have to like what you did, but I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you with a great big heart. That is just it. You know, Jesus was no doormat, but he did say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Amen? You know, Paul, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You want to wade through this one with me. You know, Paul jumped on the Corinthian church for their interpersonal conflicts and unforgiveness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, again, starting with verse 1. Does any one of you, when he has a case, like a lawsuit, against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? I think I told you before. I read that one day and I thought, Lord, you got a lot of work to do in me. Um, do you not know that you will judge angels? How much more are the matters of this life? So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. Is there not among you one wise man who is able to decide between brethren? But brother goes to law with his brother and that before unbelievers. Verse 7, actually then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud, and you even do that to your brothers. You know, in relationships, hear me out here, all right? Hear my heart. In relationships, almost always, and maybe always, when the dust settles and everyone is calmed down, we realize that nothing is 100% one person's fault. Now, there are cases of things like child abuse or car accidents that absolutely are one person's fault. But when we're talking about any kind of adult relationship, blame isn't 100%. We'd like for that to be true. We'd like to be able to point fingers. But, but that's just the way it is, guys. It isn't 100% somebody's fault. I could argue every single case I know of and tell you that it isn't. But, you know, when we're in the middle of it, we want it to be. We don't want to be, take blame for anything, you know, and we think things like this. Yeah, but if I, if I forgive them, it opens me up to be vulnerable, vul, blah, vulnerable again. You know what? It doesn't. You're strong. The Lord's with you. But if I forgive them, doesn't that mean they're off the hook? No. No. God's the judge, not you. Do you really want that job? No. I didn't think so. You know, all I have to do is look in the mirror to know I don't want that job. Thank you very much. No, I don't want that job. If I forgive them, who's going to make them accountable for what they did? Well, they're not ultimately accountable to you anyway, so let it go. I'll forgive them when they apologize. Okay, well, now you're giving them control, and you're keeping yourself in bondage. Really? Really? No. You know, it's a quote attributed to a million people, I think. Everyone from Carrie Fisher, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, <laughs> to Nelson Mandela, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's so true. You're hurting yourself and nobody else. And when we let go of things, there's so much freedom in that. And, and no, I don't want you to get hurt. No, I don't think, you know, no, I'm not telling you to let your guard down. 
I'm just saying, let it go and forgive him. Let the grace of God flow, and you walk in the freedom of the children of God. Let's talk about Joseph for a few minutes. Genesis 37 to 50, we're not going to read all of that. We would be here for quite a while if we did that. So we're not going to do that. But, but few people in the Bible had more natural reason to harbor unforgiveness than did Joseph. His brothers hated him because he was dad's favorite and he had spiritual dreams. So they sold him as a slave to a caravan traveling to Egypt. I didn't always get along with my brothers, but I never one time thought about selling them into slavery. <laughs> that I recall. Anyway, he was sold to Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's bodyguards. He worked hard. He was put in charge of the whole house. He was there for years. Then he was falsely accused and wound up in prison. He worked hard in prison, and pretty much they put him in charge of the whole prison after he was there for a while, because he was so reliable and he was there for years. And then he interpreted dreams for two of Pharaoh's servants, his, his baker and his cupbearer. And, uh, and they, the cupbearer promised to tell Pharaoh about how unjust it was that this man was in prison, but he forgot about him for two more years. So now Joseph, who was probably about 17 when he was sold into slavery, is about 30, 13 years is a long time. And a lot of people would have just been miserable and resentful and angry. And there's no hint of that with Joseph. And so at the end of two years, Pharaoh had a dream. And, uh, and none of his wise men, none of his magicians, none of his, his people could explain what it meant. And the cupbearer came to him and said, you know, I remember my failings now. Two years ago when you threw me in prison, there was a man in the prison who interpreted two dreams, and they both happened exactly the way he said. And, and so Pharaoh sent for him. They had him cleaned up. You had to shave your head, shave your face, everything, before you could come before Pharaoh. So they cleaned him up and brought him in. And uh, Pharaoh said to him, so I understand you can interpret dreams. And Joseph said, it's not me, but God will give. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Pharaoh explained the dream to him, told him all about what it was. And Joseph interpreted that there was going to be seven years of abundance and seven years of famine to the point where they would forget that they had ever had food. And Joseph said, so appoint, appoint someone to start collecting a fifth of the produce and storing it up for the bad years. And, and Pharaoh talked to his leadership, and, and he said in verse 38 of chapter 41, Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over the entire land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold necklace around his neck. 
and had him ride in his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, Bow the knee, and he set him over the entire land of Egypt. Faithfulness, don't you love faithfulness? Just makes me happy, makes me want to cry. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Verse 46, Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh, a free man, and grabbed the first chariot he could find, he could get his hands on, and headed back to Canaan to deal once and for all with his rotten brothers. (laughs) Actually, no. No, but actually, he went to work for seven years because he kept his eye on the promise of God. And, and he went to work for seven years, and then when the drought started, and everybody around the world and in that whole region ran out of food, they started coming to him, and then his brothers came. You remember the story, and you know they bowed down before him, not knowing who this man with a shaved head and shaved face was. They didn't recognize him, and he was also 13 years older. And uh, you know, but but the point here is that God could never have worked with this man if he hadn't had a heart full of the grace of God, if he hadn't walked in forgiveness, if he hadn't just trusted God, okay? Now turn over to Psalm 105. We can prove this, all right? You know, I, I, well, before we do that, you can turn there, but before we do that, I want to look at something else here. When, when, uh, in, in, you can write this down if you want, Genesis 50, Starting with verse 15, um, when Joseph's dad, Jacob, died, his brothers got scared again. And they talked among themselves, and they're like, what if he's been waiting for dad to die to get revenge on us? And so they came, <laughs> this is so human, it cracks me up. They came to him, and, and they said, um, they fell down before him, and they said, we are your servants. Oh, no, back up. He came, they came to him and they said, Your father charged us before he died, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. So please forgive us. Isn't that funny? That's so human, isn't it? Joseph looked at him and he goes, Guys, he knew better. But, uh, you know, he looked at him. And, and he said, don't be afraid. Am I in God's place? As for you, what you meant evil against me, God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You know, the actions of Joseph's forgiveness was an independent action, not dependent on the response of the people who came to him. He just had a good heart, okay? You know, and, and the brothers were clearly showing here, and track with me on this, clearly showing unforgiveness, but not toward Joseph, toward themselves. They weren't able to forgive themselves for this, which is why they were walking in fear. And I can tell you, and, and, and you know, if you've lived long, the hardest person in my life to forgive is me. And I would imagine for most of us, you're the hardest person to forgive, you know? 
why didn't I do it this way? Why didn't I do it that way? Why did I do that? Why, 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 why? You know, and, and once everything, again, is calmed down and the dust settles and you're over being hurt and you can think rationally again, the final hurdle is almost always for me to forgive myself. Joseph's brothers hadn't forgiven themselves, so they couldn't imagine that Joseph had truly forgiven them, but he did. He already had. It's very possible. Unforgiveness is a prison, but God has knocked that door down. You understand that? You know, Joseph's brothers wronged him in an unimaginable way, but we've all messed up, and our mistakes affect other people, and we have to forgive ourselves and move on. You know, Joseph kept living, and he never let it stop him from, stop him from fulfilling the job God had for him to do. And there's no indication anywhere in the word that Joseph ever looked back. But look in Psalm 105 and verse 16. And the word does give us some information here about what Joseph was dealing with. And I love this so much. And we've read this, but Pastor likes this verse a lot, so I know he's quoted it. Psalm 105, not verse 16, but we'll get there. We'll start with 16. And he, God, called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in iron until the time that his word came to pass, the word of God tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. Now, what, what does that mean? What does it mean until the time that the word came to pass? Well, what was the word? God gave him dreams. He showed him his brothers, his father, his bowing down to him. You know, there were sheaves of wheat and stars in the sky and the moon, and they all bowed down to him. And it says here again, it says, until the time that his word, that word, the dreams came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. You know what that means? That means Joseph constantly reminded himself of the word of the Lord. You know, here he is, I'm a slave, but God said, they're going to bow down to me someday. They just threw me in prison, but God said, they're going to bow down to me someday. They sold me into slavery My brothers threw me in a pit and tied me up and sold me for 50 cents or whatever it was. But God said, but God said, they're going to bow down to me someday. The word tested him. You know what? The word is testing you and me. Are we going to do what it says? Am I going to do what this book says? Am I going to obey what he said or am I not going to do it? You can decide not to do it every day, any day, any day you want. Okay? And and I'm not being unkind. You understand what I'm saying? It's our choice. It's our choice. Am I going to stand on what he said? You know, uh, I've I've had to do that many times, you know, and you've had to do it many times. But he never, ever, 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 ever lets me down. 
Now, has it ever looked bad? Yeah, I've been in places, God said, do this. And I've been in places where I thought, okay, these people are all mean. Not here, you understand. I'm not talking about y'all. But, but these people are all mean. They're all unkind to me. Why am I here? They don't like it. They don't want me here. Why do you have me here? You ever been there? The word of the Lord tests me. I knew that I knew that I knew the situation I'm thinking of. I knew God sent me there. I knew he wanted me there. I wasn't going anywhere because he sent me there. And until he pulled me out, I stayed there. And he pulled me out, I was really happy. You know, when, when you're sick and there's symptoms bombarding your body and your brain's going, you're not well. I'm like, no, I believe I received my healing. I am the healed of the Lord. The Lord is my healer. I grab onto a verse and I hold on to that like my dog holds on to toys and he won't let go. All right, I'm not letting go. And, and I don't care if I have to quote the word 800 times a day. I'm going to keep quoting the word when those symptoms come against me. Now, have I ever been healed instantly? Yes. A couple times. Bam. Awesome. Have I ever had it take a while? Yes. That's less fun. <laughs> Keith Moore said this one day, which one of those takes more faith? Well, we want to think, well, yeah, the guy with the big faith, he got healed instantly. No. No, no, no. It takes a lot more faith when you have to stand on the word and the word is testing you. You know? Well, I tried that faith stuff. I tried that healing stuff. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. We don't get to try anything. It tries us. Are you going to make it or not? Are you going to give up or not? You know? And, and, and I'm not being hard on anybody. Trust me. You know, what we read earlier in, in Romans 12, you know, He's encouraging you not to grow weary and lose heart. Is it possible to grow weary and lose heart? Dear Lord, yes. We've all been there. But you know what? He encourages us with his word. He encourages us with his promises. All of his promises are what? Yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And so as we walk with him, he's constantly trying to help us. He's constantly trying to teach us. You know, you get tired probably of hearing you know, read the word, read the word, read the word. You get tired of that? You know, don't get tired of that. Because, because you know, when I get tired, and I, and I, and I do this, so, so, so hopefully you've never done this. I know Jeannie has never done this before, but I have done this, where I, I like, I don't want to read tonight. I don't want to read the word. You know what I do? I just start saying, I love the word. I love the word. You know, boy, I don't have to say it four times before. It's just like inside of me. It's like, yeah, I do love the word. You know, because I do love the word. But, you know, sometimes I'm tired and I'm weary and, and, you know, maybe things aren't going the way. You know, life, you know, I look at Joseph and I think life has, life has regrets and actions have consequences. And sometimes we wonder why somebody treated us the way they did. And sometimes we wonder, um, sometimes we wonder how we could have done what we did. Okay, have you ever been there? I have, I hope you haven't. Uh, sometimes we question why things went the way they went and why we didn't see it coming, you know? But, but life takes grace, it takes patience, it takes forgiveness, it takes love, and the word's testing us. And we gotta stay strong, guys. It says be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord, not in of yourself. You're not going to make it on your own here, guys. There's things that happen that are way too big for us. 
And, 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 and you're not going to make it on your own. You've got to have him with you. You've got to have, lean on him, all right? You know, sometimes, you know, when, when, I, when I just get to a place, I, I'm learning to do this more and more, and it's not something I was intending to talk about, but, but, but uh, you know, I, I, when I get into a corner, when I'm starting to think wrong, when I'm starting to have an attitude I don't like, I just start speaking in tongues. Tell you what, I don't know why, but that just pulls me right out of it usually. Well, that's good, you know? Whatever tools he's given you, if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, Pastor Edwin will be down here after church and you can pray with him. He'd be happy to pray with you. He loves getting filled, people filled with the Holy Ghost. But you, you know, give you your prayer language. But, but turn over to Matthew 25. I've got a few more minutes here. All right, Matthew, are you in Matthew 25? Okay. Verse 21, I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. In case whoever's at the computer wondered, okay? Verse 21, then Peter came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? He was being very gracious here. He goes, seven times? He thought he was real spiritual, you guys. You know he did. <laughs> You know he thought he was real spiritual, stretching it to seven, you know? <laughs> and Jesus looked at him and goes, no, not seven times. And I think Peter thought he's going to make it a smaller number. <laughs> but 70 times seven. And then Jesus told this very lengthy parable, but this parable is so great, we're just going to read it. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors, who was brought in, who owed him millions of dollars, he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. He must have owned a lot of stuff to come up with millions. Anyway, <clears throat> but the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when that man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But the creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that happened. Then the king called the man he had forgiven in and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And this is what the Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters. Oops, from your heart. Not just words, guys. We got to let it go 100%. And you may have to let it go 70 times 7 just to keep it out of your head and out of your mind and out of your face. But you know what? It's so worth it. We're talking about forgiveness here. We're talking about things that hinder our faith, hinder us from receiving. You know, how many commandments did Jesus give us? I'm 
I'm glad I didn't hear anybody say 10. If you said 10 and I didn't hear you, you're forgiven. Okay, it's okay. He didn't. Jesus didn't give us 10 commandments. He just gave us one. Love one another, hello, even as I have loved you. That was pretty big, guys. Love one another the way I've loved you. You can't do that without his help. <laughs> Newsflash. Okay, you can't do that. That doesn't work. But you know what? The Bible says that he has poured his love out into our hearts. And you know what? When you're angry, have you ever done this? I've done this. I, I was so angry with somebody I worked with, not around here again, uh, one day. And, and, and I thought, I'm gonna, I, I, I bet you the Lord is going to rebuke them, and I, I bet you I'm going to check down in here and see what kind of rebuke that I should give them. And you know what I found right here in my heart for them? Just love. They were hurting. They were, and then later I found out what a mess their life was. Oh, my Lord, their life was a mess. And I thought, you know, I, 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 I'm not the cause of their anger. I'm not the cause of them being difficult to be around. I'm not the person who did this to them. That's on them. That's not on me. And I just need to walk in love. I don't care what they did. I don't care. You know, I'm not telling you you should be around abusive people. Stay away from them. But love them and pray for them, Okay. But don't get around them for crying out loud. You know what? Don't you got to protect yourself, okay? But but that doesn't mean we hate. That doesn't mean we don't forgive them. Let it go. Let the you know walk out of prison free man, a free woman, and don't look back. All right, I'm going to read one more passage of scripture, and then we're going to call it done. Ephesians chapter four. I don't want you to turn there. You can write it down in your notes. Ephesians chapter four, verses twenty-one to thirty-two. I want you just to sit and listen. I'm going to read this out of the New Living, which is a paraphrase, but I like the way they say it. And it ends with, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. You know that. So we're going to start way back before that. We're just going to read this passage. This is from the Holy Spirit, guys. He inspired Paul to write this. I'm not going to comment. I'm just going to read what he said, all right? And you take it just the way he gave it. And then we're going to go home, and we're going to walk in love, and we're going to forgive everybody that we haven't forgiven, and we're just going to keep living and focus on him and his plan and his promises and his work. All right? All right. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 32 in the New Living. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, 
harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. <clears throat>